If you would bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we're grateful, we're thankful for the privilege you blessed us with on this day, this evening, to come together in Jesus' name. Lord, as we draw upon this time of the celebration of the birth of your beloved Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we reflect back, Father, on many, many Christmases past as we look and we see how you've carried us through the battles and the trials that we've dealt with. We would ask you, Father God, as you continue to help us and lead us, lead us again, Father, through a new year upcoming, but most of all, God, lead us through this day. I pray for those, Lord, that are sick and shut in that I've mentioned. I pray, God, for those that we know that are sick almost unto death, that you would intervene, Father, and have your will and your right of way in their lives. Lord, I know of many that are in the hospital. I know of of those in other countries. Lord, I know of those in our very own communities. I pray, God, that you would touch each one in an equal and a profound way. Father, may you have your will always in each of our lives, and may we just rely on you for all things. You give us in your word, Father, the promise that you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us. And, God, we stand on that promise today as we stand on all the truth that we have in the word of God as a roadmap for our lives. Lead us, guide us, and direct us, Father and the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And God, may you be praised and glorified through this time of worship. I ask and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we look through the Old Testament, we can find many references in the Old Testament to the birth of Christ. One of the most profound that I reference almost each time during a Christmas message is surely the book of Isaiah, the foretelling of the birth of Christ. You know, the people during the time of King Ahaz, were in a very turbulent time of their lives. There were people believing all sorts of religious beliefs. There were people that were worshiping false gods. There were people that were going to and fro, doing their own thing, if you would, and believing in what their own belief was. Many, many, I say, were actually believing in a God that was Surely not Jehovah God that we worship today as a Christian believer. Why I bring that up is because we live in a time just like the day of Ahaz. We live in a time today that is not unlike most of the Old Testament references to the uh, tumultuousness of the world and how things were going north, south, east, and west in a very hurried fashion. And there seemed to be no semblance of order in a lot of ways. The people had, many had departed from the God whom they had originally worshipped, the God of their fathers, as the word testifies. And many have gone on and gone astray, uh, I say, uh, as well. It's a lot like the day we live in today. If we look in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, um, if you have your Old Testament Bible with you, to ask you to turn with me there. Isaiah chapter 7, beginning in verse number 10, the text begins, and as I read, Moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. In verse 13, and he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, what is a small thing for you to weary men, but will ye weary God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call 
his name, Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. In verse 16, for before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that thou abhorrest shall be forsaken of both her kings. May God tonight bless the reading of his word. Foretelling of Jesus, a Lord that would come and bring forth redemption through the land. I had a conversation a couple of days ago with a pastor friend, and I asked him quite quickly and clearly if he could choose and if there was one thing that he could do this Christmas season that would bring forth the greatest blessing within his church body, what would that be? And he hesitated only for a few seconds. And he said, I would love to see my church and me as their pastor in 2016 have a closer walk with God. And, you know, I heard him say that. And as I heard him say that, the first thing I thought was, this is a very strong man that's willing to seek after the fullness of God. He said for the last several weeks in his Sunday morning uh, sermons, uh, he has over and again shared about how God's will needs to be manifest in each and every one of his parishioners' lives and hearts. And he said, you know, the more I preach on it, Billy, the more I find that I need to be right there in those trenches with them as we learn and we study and we grow together. If there's one thing, beloved, I know that I know that I know is how important it is for us as believers to grow together into the like-mindedness of Christ. Many times we grow to a point where we find division within our church bodies. Many times we find division in our church bodies over many different things. But in doing so, the one that is actually ends up being broken is the heart of God. And you know, as we look, we read in chapter 2 of Luke about the foretelling of the birth of Christ and how Mary and Joseph were prepared by God for the delivery of the Savior the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Luke chapter 2, we affectionately call the Christmas story, and surely it's a wonderful story of the gift of God to us as God's own people during this time of Christmas. But as I was studying through for the last several months and seeking God, what would God have me to share and what would God have me to present, I kept finding myself referencing back into the Gospel of Matthew how God first, before the birth of His Son, prepared the hearts of Mary and Joseph. Every one of us in this place tonight, before worship, we should have already taken the time to make preparation in our heart for worship. Uh, we should never come into a service, no matter how informal or formal it may be. We should always have first our hearts prepared to come to worship God. For if there's any other reason for a purpose in any of us being here even tonight in this service, uh, it's for the wrong reason outside of that of serving God. But as I read through in Matthew chapter 1, it begins in verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. It says in verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, uh, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. I want to pause there for just a minute if we can, because there's two very important things that we've just learned from what the scriptures that I've just read. We understand that the child was to be of the Holy Ghost. We also understand so clearly that Mary 
was espoused or engaged to Joseph to be wed. Uh, many times those en- engagements or betrothals would go for at least a year before the actual wedding would take place. But one thing so much different then than there is now was they went through all the motions of marriage as far as the legal side of marriage. And the one thing that was spared was the marriage bed. Also, they worked together. They served each other's families together. They did what needed to be done as a husband and a wife together. And then when that betrothal period was over, there would be a great wedding and they would be wed. If we read this text, as I've just read just two verses, it says, She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. It says in verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. I don't know about you, but as I read that, one thing I think about is how much I appreciate the morals of Joseph. Not only was he willing to be sure that his espoused wife would not be made a spectacle as she was with child, pregnant if you will, he also wanted to make sure that no one else was able to ridicule her for what had came to pass. You see, what Joseph knew was that this child was conceived through the power of the Holy Ghost. Joseph knew that no one other than him through the visit of him and Mary of the angels of God would know the truth behind this child that would yet to be born. You see, Joseph knew, just as you would know this day and time, how people would always be whispering and talking behind backs and saying, do you realize that she's not married? And that's a lot like it would be today to a degree, even though it seems this day and time, because of our degradation and our morals, uh, is very common in this day and time, I'm sad to share with you. Each and every one of us every day, we need to seek our morals from what the Word of God teaches us. Uh, Our morals don't come from what our mother and father always teach us. Neither do they come from what we see in society for sure, does it? But we need to find our morals in the Word of God. And surely Joseph, in this example, we understand that he was a just man as the Word declares. And it says in verse 20, it says, But while he thought on these things about having her privately put away or moved away... While he thought on these things, uh, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, and saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now, we're speaking of an angel of the Lord appeared. And spoke to who? Spoke to Joseph, the earthly father. You see, Joseph had feelings that I'm sure were so mixed up and co-mingled in his head because he knew, one, that the people would condemn his espoused wife being pregnant and knew that things were not moral in their relationship as she, at this point, before their betrothal period had ended, had already conceived. But you see, what we find is that whenever we read about Joseph having this visitation from this angel, the angel clearly expels to Joseph in appearance to him. And he said, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, 
for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now, I want to say this, and I want you to think open-mindedly. So many times we hear people share things with us that are almost impossible to believe. Would you agree? Almost impossible to believe. And I'm sure if in that day and time you and I were neighbors of Joseph and Mary, and we found that Mary was with child, it would be hard for you and I to believe, even as followers of Christ, even as followers of the Lord God, Jehovah God, that we would believe that that would take place. And when we look at the situation that Joseph and Mary were in, we understand then the only way that it could work out for the glory of God would be for them to trust God completely with all of their heart. Every one of us in this place tonight have issues and have concerns in our life, some with our health, some maybe with our morals, uh, some maybe with our uh, friendship that we have maybe with someone else or our families. We all have things in our life that are not exactly the way they ought to be as far as the morals of God lines up. I say some of us, I say all of us. I include myself, I include each of us. Why do I say that? How can I say that boldly and without reservation? Is because clearly of this. We all, each day in our life, deal with sin. There's no exceptions to that rule. We're surrounded by sin in many ways. I didn't say we had to partake of it. I didn't say we had to be privy of it. But I said we're surrounded by sin each day of our life, even as a believer. When we read further into this verse 20, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, you've heard that verse proclaimed and taught and preached all your adults' lives as a believer. Amen? But as a part of that, I think many times we skim over and we just kind of bypass and, and we look at it and kind of assume that everyone understands that. But it's the latter part of verse 21. It says, For he shall save his people from their sins. Very important if we look and we dissect just a little bit this latter part of this verse. Because every one of us in Scripture, as we read through, we need to seek the divine leadership of the Holy Spirit to show and to teach and allow us to have understanding spiritually in what actually is being said and what we're reading. God will give us the insight and the discernment of the Holy Spirit just as God was giving this unto Joseph and Mary. They were to be made fully aware, for they were the prime actors, if you will, in the birth of Christ. You see, they were to be in the midst of God's people. Uh, their friends, their family, uh, bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, the name was given to Joseph, and the purpose of the birth was given also unto Joseph and Mary. But there's a part in there I want you to see, for he shall save his people from their sins. 
But when we look at this text, it says, For He shall save His people from their sins. Being He, being Jesus Christ, His people. So many times in my life when God places someone on my heart that's lost, you know, I'm relentless. I I seek God to allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen me, to allow me to, to, to stay awake for sometimes, it seems like days on end almost, to pray for that particular need for that individual because I, I really want to see that individual saved. Uh, you know, and if there's one thing I learned early as a Christian and as a preacher is that, you know, there's nothing I can do to allow any of you in here to be redeemed or saved tonight except share with you the truth of God's Word. God, in the power of the Holy Ghost, has to do the work, not me. I can't do it. I cannot do it. All I can share with you or share with the world is the truth of God's love. I still feel the greatest example that we can share and give to this world, even in this day of uncertain times, is in the way that we live our lives before other people. You know, our testimonies many times are what we stand up and raise our hand and tell our pastor on a particular day of worship, and say, Pastor, I have something I want to say. Can I say it? And, and surely the floor will be given to you. And you share a testimony. You share what God's done in your heart and what God's done in your life. And, and people hear that, and people are drawn to that, and, and people grow in that. And I praise God for the testimonies of all those in this room tonight that has testified. But if it's one thing that's the greatest testimony before God of anything, it's the way you live day in and day out, whether you're in the church, whether you're in the grocery store, or whether you're at your dinner meal table, or whether you're somewhere buying a new outfit or a new pair of shoes. You see, I noticed sometimes back that some of the people that I would worship with on Sunday and Wednesday and Monday, uh, if I find them somewhere at one of the large stores, and I walk up to them, and I, and I want to have a time of fellowship and praise with them, uh, many times they're very reserved about that. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get with you. Yeah, let's get together and have some prayer Sunday when we get ready to have church and, and do different things. But, you know, I don't know about you, beloved, but I worship God every day. I don't wait for Sunday. I don't wait for Monday. I don't have to wait for our, what we call Christmas Day, December the 25th, to worship God. I want to worship God every day as God every day lives within my heart and yours as a believer. Amen? We have to be sure of that. And that's as I share with my friend. And it says here, to save His people from their sins. If there's one thing that it seems so counterproductive as many times, preaching or declaring or teaching the Word of God to people that hearts have been hardened. People's hearts that have been hardened. And I think a lot of times that's exactly where Joseph and Mary found themselves as they were sharing about what God through the angel's visitation was sharing with them. There's people that I know right now that know the Bible cover to cover, have read the Bible cover to cover, that many things in the Bible they choose not to believe. And that's sad. And it saddens my heart also because it shows me that they choose to have what we call a self-taught, a self-declared religion or religious belief. In other words, they will believe what they desire to believe and everybody else can believe what they would desire to believe. There's another word for that, but I'll use these words to be kind. So many times we, we 
let others just continue to go on. But if God places a person on our hearts, we need to be faithful about following after and using the embodiment of the Holy Spirit that God dwells within us as a believer so that we can share and through testimony and through declaration of God's Word as we share this Word tonight, that God may be praised and the Holy Ghost may speak unto their hearts. You see, what had to take place for this pre-telling of the birth of Jesus Christ with Mary and Joseph was for Mary and Joseph first to have full understanding and full faith to believe in God first. You see, if there was anything, any apprehension at all on Joseph's part or Mary's part, then I believe God could have never chosen or God could have never used either one of this man and woman to bring forth the Savior. Because they would have always been always been distrustful before God. I'm thankful tonight that God chooses us as He chose Mary and as He chose Joseph to bring forth the Son of God. Verse 22, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And verse 24 says, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. All I can say there is praise God. Because Joseph was a man of faith. He was a man of great morals. He was a man of belief. He trusted the visitation of the angel of God about what would be forthcoming. And he saw and he knew that even though he may not have understood what God had desired for him to do, he was still going to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And I think so many times, if I can add this, that that's where we as believers sometimes falter and fall short. We seem to believe up to a point, and when it gets to a point, it seems like we feel like we can't do any more. Sometimes we throw in the rag and we stop and say, well, I've done all I can. Now somebody else will just have to help and do more. Well, beloved, I believe fully in every word in the Word of God. And the Word of God says God will call us. He'll also, His Word says that He'll also equip us if He calls us to do His work. And when God's Word says equip us, I believe He'll equip us for whatever the means and whatever the need is to accomplish what God's asked us to do. Did we not see truth and did we not see proof of this in the lives before the birth of Jesus with Mary and Joseph? Exactly, completely. They did exactly what they had been told by the angel of the Lord to do. It says, Joseph, as he arose from his sleep, he he did uh, as had been bidden him, and he took upon him his wife, which was Mary. In verse 25, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, we understand the angel asked him to name this firstborn son Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. And we understand here, Joseph was faithful to do exactly what the angel of God had asked him to do. 
It says in chapter 2, verse 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. You see, if we understand here, Herod had a problem of jealousy, did he not? Herod wanted to be sure that he was king of all kings. And he did not want to share his throne with no one, including the Son of God. It says in verse 5, And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophet. You see, the foretelling of Christ had always been there, even in the days of the prophets. It had already been declared where he would be born and, and, and where in the purpose of his birth would be. But yet so many doubted, just like so many would doubt today if you read tomorrow's newspaper and you read the same thing of the foretelling of a Redeemer. And it says in verse 6, And now Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. What is the word here saying? It's saying this. What do you mean? What do you mean someone that would be the leader of the king of kings would come forth from such a place? You know, we always sometimes, beloved, look at locations as more important than many times they really are in things. Amen? We sometimes also, as I shared a few weeks ago in a message, we also sometimes look at people to be more important than they really ought to be. Sometimes we look at people also in a fashion where we figure that person surely can't do that. That person can't accomplish that. They need to ask someone else to do that job or to do that task. That person, he or she can't do that. But you see, I always have a little verse in the back of my mind, beloved, and I know you do also. It goes a little bit like this. A little as much when God is in it. When God is in it. You see, if God calls us and God equip us and God speaks to us as He did unto Joseph and Mary, then we know God will follow it through, will He not? It says in verse 7, Then Herod, when he had privily, uh, called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. But you see, that was no way Herod's truth of what Herod chose to do. Herod chose to destroy the newborn Christ. And we understand reading in verse 9, When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they had saw in the east went before them uh, till it came and stood over where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, In verse 12, And being warned of God in the dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country 
another way. You see, not only did the Lord God share with Joseph and Mary what would be becoming of them as parents, as earthly parents of the baby Jesus, but also the Lord God took care of all the circumstances and situations where the baby Jesus would be endangered, knowing that Herod was jealous and Herod was choosing to allow all the newborn babes to be slaughtered below a certain age so that he would be sure that no one could rival him as king. We live in a world today that many times ego drives many businesses and many places and many people's lives. I know of people, some that I work with, some that are just people that I know, acquaintances, that if it were not for them being first in everything they do, they wouldn't do it. I know of people that if it weren't for situations where if they weren't able to sing or if they weren't able to play an instrument, if they weren't able to do anything the way they wanted to do it, they would not even want to participate in any way with what they have to do. It's sad. You see, the last time I looked, I'm a servant and you're a servant of the Most High God. You see, Jesus Christ is my Lord. And I am placed in this world to serve and to worship Him. I think sometimes we kind of get things turned around. And because we know that we worship and serve a supreme being, being God our Father, and Jesus Christ our Lord, and the Holy Ghost, our Redeemer, I think many times we look around to other people and we try to go ahead and present ourselves and, and, and build ourselves up first and foremost as being stronger one of all. You know, what happens shortly after that comes as a fall because before the fall comes pride. That's your word. And pride always comes forth. And pride always rears its ugly head because pride is a sin. Because we'll take and allow things that God has blessed us with in a mighty way as a gift. And sometimes if we're not careful, that gift can turn into sin. Not because the way God presented it, uh, we, through the leadership, uh, allowed that to escape us and start doing the things that we felt where we had more mental and physical and spiritual control over what God had given us the gift than what God did. This Christmas time of year, I have tried and diligently paid special attention to the way I see people behave. What I mean by that is uh, when I'm in a store, I like to sit back and just kind of put my arms across the stroller or the buggy and and just kind of sit over to the side out of the way of everything, the hustle and bustle, and, and just like I did this afternoon, and just sit back and watch people. But if there's one thing that I kept looking for but I today never saw was someone coming up that I had spoken to or raised my hand to say hello that ever seemed to be there for the purpose of worshiping God. You see, Christmas is a time of giving. It's a time of sharing love of God with other people. It's a time of allowing other people to see the love of God that dwells inside of each of us. But you know, Christmas, just like many of our days on the calendars each year, that you understand. And I want to use it as an example 
We have a loving daughter, my wife and myself, and I'm so thankful for our daughter's heart and her love for Christ. But you know, I asked her a few weeks ago, please, please, this year even more so than you ever have in the past, there's one gift that I surely want from you that you always seem to give, but this year I've never wanted it any more than I do today, is I want you to come to me, put your arms around me, and hold me and tell me that you love me. I told her, there is no greater gift that you could possibly give your father on earth. You know why? Because it constitutes and shows me her love not for me, but her love for me and her Father in heaven. It shows a love of a family as we show and share the love between myself and my precious wife and our daughter. It shows a love between you and your spouses and you and your friends and you and your loved ones, your grandchildren, your children, your sisters, your brothers. Just to walk up and just to feel someone else's warm embrace around you and know that their arms are around you because they love you and they care for you. And she gave me a promise. She said, Daddy, I'll promise you you'll receive that this year. And I'm thankful for that. And once again, it's not because she never has in the past or hasn't even today, but just because it's the most important gift that she or anyone else could possibly ever give. There's people tonight, beloved, in this place where we hold this service that we will not be able to spend time with next year at this same time of Christmas because they've gone home to be with the Lord. It may be me. It might be you. I don't know who it would be. I trust and pray all of us would be back in the same place next year. But there's always one or two that are not here. You know, as we make preparation this year on the whole Christian communion. If there's one thing that's always so heart-wrenching to me is to read the list of names of loved ones. People that we know, our friends, our family, our sisters, our brothers in Christ that have gone home to be with the Lord since last year. When we held our communion, I always think it's so appropriate, but each time as I read through a name that I know the loved one has gone home to be with the Lord, I always ring a little bell. But you know, as I read names... I don't think of that first and that last name as being anything more important than anyone else's. But what I think about when I read a name is I think about those lives so well lived that God blessed me and you with, beloved, to spend time in life with. My precious wife and myself and each one of us in here tonight, we have had time to share and show and to provide and testify to the love of God with people that your own families and my own families never could have the blessing to do. I always count it a privilege I stand beside and have prayer beside the bedside of someone that's going home to be with the Lord. I always look at the family standing by that bedside as they weep and I always tell them this. Thank you for sharing your precious life with us. Thank you for allowing me to spend some period of time with this loved one so that I had a chance to know them and my life to be enriched by them and the glory of God to be manifest and shown through them as they lived each day of life. I don't know about you, beloved. Every day of my life as we celebrate Christmas and as we go through the new year, I always look and I long so much more to see the pureness and the pure things of God to present themselves. Just like the hug I speak of. Just like the I love you's that are shared, 
And they're not shared just because they're written in a card or a letter. They're shared because they're sent from a heart of someone that loves you. Greatest card that was ever sent. And the greatest love letter that has ever been penned than that. No greater love than that of a man that would lay down his life for a friend. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but rather through His Son the world shall be saved. The true meaning of Christmas is the birth of Christ. The very name Christmas speaks of Christ. There's people that we see and we visit and we see in our malls and our stores hustling and bustling to buying the, the finer gifts no matter how pricey or, or no matter where they're three for a dollar. They're there for one reason. They seek to provide someone else a gift. You know what I think is I see the cash registers, bells ringing, and I see the people pulling out their money to pay for their gifts and their credit cards is how... The greatest gift been given was paid in full by God before He sent His only begotten Son to this earth. And all God asks you and I to do, beloved, is to receive Him as Lord. As long as I have breath in me, I want people to know how much Jesus loves them. And you know, many times I speak in deaf ears. All I can do is trust God to allow God to speak to their hearts. During this day of blessings and this day of peace and love and joy towards all men, Please tell someone around you, when you pray, thank God for His great gift, the gift of His Son, born as a sacrifice, a perpetuation of your and mine great debt of sin, so that one day, through His acceptance and forgiveness, we can receive life everlasting. Father God, we're thankful and we're grateful for the privilege that You have blessed each of us with to come together in one accord and in one purpose. Lord, as we celebrate this day of Christmas, this time of love and fellowship, this time of grace and peace, Lord, speak to hearts all across this great nation, our great land, this world. Bring forth peace, God, unto all nations. May, Lord God, before it's eternally too late, may you draw us ever closer to you. Lead and guide those whom are lost and wandering, Father unto the redemption of a Savior who died for their sins. Help us each, God, to be a witness, to be a testimony. Be the hands and the feet of the very Son of God, Christ, to allow others to come unto the fold, to come unto redemption and forgiveness, so that, Father, you may be praised. We thank you and we praise you, Father God, for all things. May you receive our blessings and our praise. For we speak and we come and we pray. In the name of your beloved Son, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. This concludes tonight's live worship service. We pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, each one listening has been blessed through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us back again next week 
for another live outreach worship service as we together continue praising Jesus Christ. Those tonight who have made decisions to follow Christ, desiring additional biblical resources, or anyone with special prayer concerns are personally invited to visit the Praising Jesus ministry website. The web address is www.praisingjesus.org. That address again is www.praisingjesus.org. We want to thank each of you tonight for listening. We invite you back again next week as together we seek God to guide, mold, and speak to our hearts and lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Good night and may God bless each of you is my prayer.